Hi, and welcome back to the Redheaded Preacher Podcast. We've been gone for two weeks. It is now August 8th, 2021. I am the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. And uh, we're going to hear today a message called Healing and the Holy. We're incorporating into the service the anointing with oil and the laying on of hands, two biblical traditions that has a, a, a way of doing it in the United Church of Christ's Book of Worship, which I'll be following. That's not going to be recorded, but the message, uh, the, the, there, the message is one where each scripture passage gives a, a point or a couple of ways of looking at the holy and the healing. There's not one unified point this time. The passages are read by Annie Nortz, and they're from the books of Hosea, Mark, and the Revelation. Before we go any further, I invite you to join me in the spirit of prayer. Merciful and healing God, move within us as we listen to these words, both of scripture and of exposition. We ask your blessing on it, not only when we listen, but afterwards as we perhaps think about it or talk about it with someone else. May it be a time that in the scriptures called kairos, which means a special time, a holy time, when God is on the move. This blessing we ask in the name of the Lord who came to find us in the incarnation, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, here's Annie Norris. With our pray, with not with our prayer for illumination, but with our scriptures for healing and the holy. Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Hosea, the first four verses of chapter eleven. Much of this book expresses the Lord's grief over the spiritual infidelities of Israel and God's persistent pursuit of Israel's love, nonetheless. The passage begins with God speaking through Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. That ends the reading from the Old Testament. Now we go to the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation to John. Our passage is chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. These words come in Revelation's final chapter after the new heaven and new earth have arrived and the new Jerusalem where all God's people are. John wrote of his vision, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing, occur, nothing accursed will be found there anymore, 
but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This ends the reading from the Revelation to John. For today's service, Mark 5, verses 1 through 20 is chosen. The story, the story immediately follows the one where Jesus calms the winds and the waves of the windstorm they went through as he and the disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee to the other side. They came to the other side of the sea, the country of Gerasim, the country of the Gerasims. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains. But the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. And no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising, bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herders ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Here ends the reading of the gospel and the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, God's holy word. Healing and needing healing are not always obvious. Let me tell you a story, and some of you know this. I hope I haven't used it from the pulpit before. Years ago, there was a church member who was angrily upset at St. Peter's. This person's point of contact was yours truly. A phone call I had with this person, who is no longer alive, when she let me have it, was going to be so obviously devastating that Beth downstairs overheard enough to start praying for me right away. 
Although during that conversation, I did weave my way into still having a pastoral connection to this person, her health failed and my access dried up. She and the feelings created by that conversation basically haunted me for months. I've heard the phrase, letting people live in your head rent-free. Yeah. There was nothing I could do about it. Then, I was getting out of the church on a weekday morning. Getting out of my car, excuse me, to get into the church. As if out of the blue, I asked myself, how long are you going to let this person control your feelings? She has no idea that you're haunted by that talk. Kick her out. So I did. The liberation I experienced was fantastic. I had not thought of myself as bent or broken or in need of healing until I was healed. I was released. And I don't recall thinking about God. Have you ever stood in need of healing and not known it? Have you ever been lifted out of a situation of unwholeness, yet not seen God as the healer for whatever reason, at least not for a while? A friend of mine said he is still working on getting some folks he's had run-ins with stop living in his head rent-free. So it can be less than automatic, and he talked about praying for this to occur, that he will let them get out, let them not have control over him. So healing and needing healing are not always obvious. That's something I get out of Hosea. We heard Annie read words attributed to the Lord, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. Now, maybe Israel was too young to know they needed God to heal them, so did not recognize their needing that and did not recognize their improvements, whatever they were, as gifts from their maker and deliverer. Further, sometimes in hindsight, we can see how what had hurt us ended up blessing us or others. We do not always perceive that from God's point of view, we need healing. And when we are healed or are close to it, we receive it. God sees us in need and in reception of God's grace. As people of faith, it is more natural for us to praise and acknowledge God as the one who healed us directly or indirectly. But even we cannot know that it was God who healed us all the time, every time. Still, if we take from this, from what I call God's point of view, when it comes to our health and inner healing, how often do you and I seek to look at ourselves from that perspective? As if we could know for sure the mind of the Holy One. Perhaps if we're feeling okay, it could benefit us to still ask God, is there something in me you see that needs repair or removal or treatment which I do not see as a problem, but you do. Is this anger I feel something I need to ask you to heal within me, for example? But at least then you know that there's anger. From Hosea, 
we could acknowledge that whether we are always aware or not, we may need healing inside and turn to God for help and power there. God can also work to mend or uphold us, not only in some mystical direction or connection, but also through therapists, friends, communities, and medication. I cannot preach long on the topic of healing and the holy and ignore what's going on with the new Delta variant of COVID-19. I heard the rise in vaccinations is not sufficient to keep up with the current rate of the disease's expansion. It's frightening as well as angering. That's one way we can think of the Gerasene demoniac. He was really scary. Again, Mark tells us, immediately a man out of the tombs, and a lot of those tombs were caves, so you could imagine immediately a man out of the caves with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. It sounds like an evil version of the Hulk. This dude is not shy. When he saw Jesus from a distance, Mark says, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. This fellow is known to trifle with, like the virus and its variants today, or other things that afflict us, like taking on cancer, or an amputation, or certain mental health challenges and overpowering diseases. This fellow is no one to trifle with either. And he says later that his name is Legion, for we are many, which means two to 6,000 if you're thinking about Roman soldiers. A Roman legion was between two and 6,000 soldiers. And yet, this story, which can propel several different kinds of sermons, if we want one united point, is about the authority and the power of Jesus. Lamar Williamson Jr. wrote, one way to approach the interpretation of this passage is to treat it as a unified whole with a single point, the amazing power of Jesus over the realm of unclean hostile spirits and he brings healing to troubled persons. It happened, this, by the way, in Gentile country with most likely a Gentile man who was the horribly afflicted, outrageous, and very, very lonely man who had no control over his life. None of that stopped Jesus, whose kingdom, grace, and ability to heal know no boundaries. The legion of demons still did not go so quickly. As we learn after Mark quotes the fellow's bellowing challenge to Jesus, I adjure you, do not torment me. Jesus had already ordered the demon to come out of him. Nothing happened. But the demoniacs bowing before the Son of God Most High, acknowledging Christ's authority and asking not to be tormented. Then Christ asks for his name, which could give him, it was believed, the advantage of power over the person. And we get legion. 
And even in this case, that did not prove enough. Now, we do not know how long this conversation actually lasted, even though the man slash demons feared, bowed down before, and called out Jesus for who he is as God's son in hopes of not being tormented. Jesus was seen by this fellow right away, and by the spirits as right away, as the one who did have such power over him then. Why else would he say, do not torment me if he didn't believe that, yeah, Christ could do that. So please don't. But regardless, Jesus wins the day between Legion's suggestion about the swine and Jesus' permission and sending them out of the man into the swine, the poor, lonely, frightening man is delivered. He is made whole once more. His healing is quite remarkable, especially when you and I remember how he was described, as if he were someone that needed to be put down like a wild, sick, huge horse or something. The village folks came because the, wit- the witnesses, the swine herders, they went into the village, they told everyone about this, and then they and the folks came back out. And it says they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind. Have you ever seen such a transformation in someone, or even yourself, from horrible health and loneliness to what looks like a contributing member of society again. Some addicts in recovery undergo changes like that. For some of them, Jesus is her or his higher power. This story, received in faith, tells us that Jesus has the authority, the healing power to make things like this happen, although we cannot say why all our prayers for healing are not met with a yes. Sometimes they come with a wait or even a no. At least as far as we know. The word of Jesus does have transformative power. Not only did the man get dressed and take back his right mind, he also wanted to join Jesus and the disciples while everyone else immediately, they were struck with fear, Jesus, please leave. They wanted them to get out of there. When told When the man was told no, but to go bear witness to his friends how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you, he did. Or as those of you who can remember Bill Carroll, he did. There is also proof of a miracle, a positive change of soul as well as body and mind. Well, time fails me to linger over the Revelation 22 passage, but I bet you know that I want to focus on the larger healing which is promised there. In it, the New Jerusalem almost takes center stage, and we heard Annie read, on either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There will be healing. You know that I'm worried about this country and its future. We are so divided over how to prevent and whether or not to vaccinate against COVID and the Delta variant and the mask battles. These are not new, but the damage done by Delta has fanned the flames back up. We are faced with two major political parties who, at least if I'm to believe the media, they hate each other. 
And they're egged on, maybe without knowing it, because they may not reflect upon this, they are egged on without knowing it by elements in the media. And those hatreds are often passed down from one generation to the next. As are gang affiliations, racial prejudice, and white privilege, and systems perpetuating injustice in a lot of areas. Maybe I myself am worried more than I need to be because of the media. But when confronted with how the parties consider or do not consider the attack of January 6th, among other things, I still think I have a good reason to fear for this democratic republic. The healing of the nations. It calls for a lot of faith in God's long arc of providence to claim the promise of Revelation 22, I believe. Thank God that God is God Jesus is Lord and Savior, and I am not. Healing and the holy. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Do we ask God, in a kind of summary, do we ask God if God sees any need for our healing that we do not see? Do we see that prayerfully letting go of toxic people in our minds and if we can, in our lives, is God healing? Do we trust Jesus' authority over the worst of afflictions? Do we always believe, excuse me, do we believe that God is always with us, no matter what? If and when we are restored, do we then, like that demoniac, gratefully bear witness to God? Because the world needs that too. Thank you once again for listening to the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I hope you found it meaningful and perhaps bring some understanding of healing. If it does, if it helps, or if any of the others have been a blessing in any way, please feel free to drop us a line at either revlanford at aol.com or office, O-F-F-I-C-E, at stpeterucccskokie.org, the saint being S-T. We'd like to hear from you, and next week the message is going to be about stewardship with Proverb, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 11, and I think it's Mark 10. But until then, I thank you again for listening, and may God bless your week.